The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. As we uh, prepare to get into the Word, here's a couple of things that you can look for. Uh, you want to take down some notes. These are things you might jot down. You have to forgive me. I've had a, a, a very busy uh, week this week, and, and this has been a very unusual uh, season. And it's, it's definitely the kind of thing where you're doing projects, you're doing things to move things forward. You're not really thinking about the effects of those things. You're just simply wanting to accomplish them. Uh, it, I did a number of things uh, this week. Uh, some of those things were some tree work and some things that I personally uh, don't do well with uh, that affects my breathing and allergies and things like that. So if you look up here and think, my God, is he dying? Well, it's close, but uh, not, not quite. So I'm going to be okay. But you may hear me uh, uh, take a breath or grab some water here. And that's a direct result of those projects that I've been doing. So uh, here's a few things that you can find in, your, uh, uh, in the message today as we get into the Word. If you want to add them to your notes, uh, that would be uh, something that you, uh, I would encourage. One, we're going to find who you are. I mean, identity is a very important thing. Now, this is one that we've probably used before because the Bible gives uh, different perspectives on who you are and who God's made you to be. I mean, God is very interested in you, and, and you are your identity. Your identity is you, so... Those are things that the Word is, is definitely revealing to us, and we're going to see an element of who you are uh, in the Word this morning. Another thing we're going to find is what we need to be producing. Now, your life is always producing uh, uh, something, no matter what. And we're going to see the things that we need to be producing in the Scripture. And then a third thing that we're going to find is the purpose of Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. Of the, when we find the purpose of Jesus, you'll find your purpose as well, because God has called you to be just like Jesus. He is, as the scripture puts it, the apostle, meaning he's the example. He is who we have set before us uh, to, to live our lives by. We look at his words, we look at his actions, and those words and actions are meant to be an example to set a standard for our lives. So, uh, we're going to find out uh, why he appeared in the first place, and therefore why we appear, why we exist, why we're here. Uh, so as we get into the Word, I want to find out who you are. Before we do that, we're going to hear a, a passage of Scripture here identifying who Jesus is. If you have your Bibles, uh, go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is speaking, and he, he makes a, a declaration. He's not talking in, in a, a parable form. He's not telling a story. Rather, in this case, he is identifying uh, himself and his purpose, and he stands and he speaks these words. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. I mean, it's a pretty powerful declaration identifying who he is, that he is the light of the world. Now, you may have, have been listening as we were, were uh, blessing the children this morning. The idea that, that light is in the world and that light has purpose, that light helps us to see clearly, 
It exposes obstacles that may be in our way. When we consider what light is and we see Jesus identify himself as light, it should be very easy to bear witness to that. I mean, Jesus helps us to see things clearly. He helps us to identify the things that are are productive versus the things that are unproductive, the things that are safe versus the things that are unsafe. Jesus brings into our lives uh, the ability to discern and to detect and to make good choices and decisions. He actually illuminates situations and scenarios, whereas without Jesus, we would simply be succeeding by accident and oftentimes failing. So Jesus makes this declaration that he is the light and goes on to add to it that the one who follows after him will not walk in the darkness. I mean, this is a really great promise. These are the things when we're speaking, when we're preaching, I like to pause and say this can have an impact on your thought life. This can have an impact on your prayer life. I mean, scenarios and situations where decisions are being made and you feel anxiety because of the mystery of the decision, we can stop and pause and we can call upon the identity of Jesus Christ in our prayer. Father, you sent Jesus so that I would not walk in darkness. And right now, I need illumination on my situation. I need to see clearly. I need to know what decision to make, what path to take. Will you please let the light of Jesus Christ shine on this situation? That's how this promise can enter into our lives and be released in our prayer life. And God is faithful to do just that. Uh, I mentioned before you're going to find who you are in the message, and we'll find that right here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Again, it's Jesus speaking, and now he's speaking about you. Previously from John, we read Jesus identifying himself as the light. Anyone who follows after him won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now here in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus speaking of you, the believer. And he says these words in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are. Not he is, but you are. You're the light of the world. You're a city that's, that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I mean, he makes this statement and then he poetically illustrates it, illustrating it so that we can have a greater understanding that it's not just a a little spark, but he identifies it as a city set on a hill, something that can be seen from great distance, something that stands out against a dark horizon or a dark landscape. This is meant to identify your life as having meaning and purpose and being visible. There is no such thing as an insignificant Christian. Absolutely no such thing. But your life, your existence, the the life that you live is is not uh, meaningless, is not purposeless, but yet it is a symbol, it it is an identification of victory, victory of the kingdom of God, victory of Jesus Christ, victory of the love of God. And it's meant to be on display to be seen. So I ask myself on occasion, you know, Jesus comes in and he begins to identify himself as the light calling me to follow after him. He identifies me now as light in the world or the light of the world meant to be on display. And all of this is because of his presence in and through our lives. I'll give you a passage of scripture to support that from John, John chapter 9, verse 5. John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 
Although Jesus has ascended into the heavens and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ has been poured out upon the earth and is living, active, and functioning in and through every believer. That's you. Jesus is in you, operating through you. You are the light of the world because as long as Jesus is in the world, he's the light of the world. So I want to just identify a couple of things. I mean, it becomes a a little monotonous to just simply read scriptures and connect dots. I want to talk about light for a second. I mean, not to go into great detail or turn a Sunday morning into a science class, but I want to think about it. I mean, it's an easy thing to see as as a, a good thing to have light in your life. I mean, I don't think anybody would hear Jesus stand and say, you know, I'm the light of the world, and think, well, that's terrible. I mean, they would hear that, and there would be just a poetic connection that that is a, a good thing. It's a positive thing, and, and I want that in my life, and I'm drawn to that. But there's some things that are interesting about light. I mean, I want to just share a couple of things with you because I, I think it's important to have a little bit of understanding. It, light is, is energy. It's a manifestation of energy. So imagine that. Imagine Jesus now saying, I am a manifestation of energy in the world. Imagine him saying, you are a manifestation of energy in the world. Power. Released. Here's another thing about light. Now this is some that some can relate to more than others. Light cannot, I mean, did you hear that? Cannot be still. It's always in motion. It is always moving. Always moving active. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, or when he declares, you are the light of the world, he's identifying that there is no such thing as an idle moment in your life. No such thing as an idle word. No such thing as an idle action. Everything about your life is moving. It's moving in in one direction or another, but either way, it is moving. It is happening. Uh, Light has a a, a finite energy and, and is, is got a finite speed. You know, the, the, have you heard the, the phrase, the speed of light? Do you know what the speed of light is? 186,000 miles per second. I mean, that's just a little scientific fact, right? I would write that down in my notes because I just think that's really cool that Jesus would identify himself as the light of the world. Light moves at 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per second means that light in one second could travel around the entire earth seven and a half times. One photon going around the equator seven and a half times in one second. One. Seven and a half times. Have you ever, I mean, it means light moves quick. Now, I work with, with, with a group of men, and on occasion, you know, they have creative names for, for me, and probably some of my motivational uh, uh, words for them are not motivating on occasion. I, I've been known to, to need stuff to move fast, and so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll say things like, we've got to move fast, we've got to move quick, we've got to get... And, and it's interesting to me, but I love the idea that Jesus would identify himself as the light of the world. He would identify me as light in the world. You know, he could say, hey, listen, I am that which moves 186,000 miles per second in the world. And, and so are you. 
186,000. I mean, that's, that's wild. You know, the light that leaves the sun, and the sun is some 93 million miles away, takes eight minutes to get to earth. Eight minutes. 93 million miles in eight minutes is booking. I mean, next time that you sit through a traffic light, just think about that. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to think about. Have you ever told somebody that you would be there in a jiffy? Right? I mean, that's kind of a, a word that we'll use. We, we kind of abbreviate it, right? A jiff. You know, I'll be there in a jiff. Have you, are you familiar with, with that? Jiffy or, or jiff? So jiffy is, is a, a term, like a measurement term for light. It's the, the time in which it takes light to move a centimeter in a vacuum. So I want you to consider this. I mean, light now, eight minutes from the sun to the earth, 93 million miles in eight minutes. In one second, traveling around the entire earth seven and a half times. So when you start saying move one centimeter, that's a pretty small measurement of time, right? You ain't never done anything in a GIF. <laughs> But we say it because we want to communicate that we're going to get that done quickly, right? By the way, you want to know how, how fast a, a jiffy is? That centimeter that light moves in that vacuum? It, it's like, like 33 and a half picoseconds, which is a trillionth of a second. I mean, let that blow your mind, right? So when Jesus is, is, is identifying himself as light in the world, as he's identifying me as light in the world, he's identifying me as an energy that is in constant motion and that moves quickly, doesn't procrastinate, doesn't delay. It's pretty amazing. Another thing about light that I think is really interesting is that it always moves straight. It always moves straight. I mean, when you consider the scripture in the word straight, it's a really powerful thing to, to think about. The opposite of straight in the scripture would be the word uh, uh, perverted, pervert or perversion. Like in the scripture, if you see the word perversion, uh, the, the literal translation or the literal term would be crooked, right? Which would be the opposite of straight. Something's either straight or it's crooked. Light is always moving straight. I mean, so basically, Jesus could stand and he said, I am the straightness of the world. I'm, I'm without perversion. I'm without that which is crooked. And because of God's grace, he would identify you as the same. So light is always in motion. It's always moving straight. It doesn't deviate from its, its course or its direction. And it's, it's in this constant state of motion, moving fast. And, and this is how we're identified. That's, that's pretty exciting to me. So there's kind of a challenge that Jesus talks about when he talks about you being light in the world. I mean, I think it's one of the biggest challenges for Christians. And when we read it in the scripture, it's very easy for us to, to have our own interpretation of what Jesus is saying or, or maybe overlook what he's saying altogether. All and sometimes when we read something and we don't understand it, we just discard it, right? Uh, kind of like me when I open up something and I find the instructions. It's, it's they're there, you could read it, you would have a greater understanding if you took the time to do that, but uh, maybe we get a little lazy and so we just move it aside and we'll figure it out on our own. Well, this is one of those passages 
of Scripture, this is one of those statements where it would be to our benefit if we were to stop and say, hmm, what is he saying when he says that? Because Jesus is not in love with the sound of his own voice. He's never speaking and just deciding like, man, I'm on fire today. I think I'm going to make this sermon last a little longer. And so he just starts adding stuff. But Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, bringing truth into our lives, and he says something we ought to stop and pay attention to it. I think this is one of the biggest challenges uh, to Christians today that, that we're all facing, and Jesus speaks about it in Luke chapter 11. He, he talks about it in Luke chapter 11 at verse 35. I want to read what he says to you, and I want to offer it to you as a challenge that you and I face. Jesus opens up this, this passage of Scripture. Now, you can read the, <clears throat> the entire context of everything he's saying in your own time. I just want to look at this one line. And, and he opens it up with, with, watch out. That's a warning, right? I mean, if you wanted to get someone's attention who was in danger, you would probably yell, hey, watch out, right? So when he says, watch out, he, he, that should really kind of <clears throat> perk up our ears. You know, maybe, maybe some flags go up, some alarms go off, you know. Jesus is saying, watch out. He's issuing a warning to us. That, that, that's not to one specific people group or one gender or, or anything like that. He's speaking this to everyone. Hey, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Now, I like to think about this scripture and just kind of ponder it and, and wonder, you know, what... What does that mean? What, what could that mean? I like to read the verses that before it and the verses after it to, to, to get the context of what is being spoken here. But as we take that passage of Scripture, I, I want to I offer some thoughts on it. I hope I made that very clear. I want to offer some of my thoughts on it, okay? And we remember that light is, is always in motion. I mean, it's, it's moving. Uh, the, the, the photons that are light, the things that, that, like the sunlight is a great example. I mean, it's got a source that is the sun. It is a release of energy, and that moves in a straight line at 186,000 miles per second right to my face, you know, and, and I feel the warmth. I feel the energy. I, I see the light. It illuminates the, the space around me by being reflected, and that's why I can see the things that are there. It has its effect. So when I consider my light, I have to consider things based on, on those physics and dynamics. It's the things that I produce that are radiating from my life, that are going straight from me to those around me, that they can feel, that, that have an effect on their surroundings. And when Jesus is speaking to me and he's issuing a warning, I think what he's revealing to us, and I hope you heard that clearly, I think what he's revealing to us is that your life is always producing things. They are leaving you and they are traveling in a straight line very quickly to those around you, having an impact on those around you and their surroundings. Your words, your attitudes, your actions are radiating from your life like beams of light would radiate from the sun and have an impact on your world. So your words, your actions, your attitude radiates from your life onto those around you having an impact on their world. Make sure that the light in you isn't darkness. Make sure the things that are radiating from your life to those around you isn't destructive, isn't counterproductive, isn't against the witness of God or the witness of the Holy Spirit, but rather is for the witness of God and in agreement with the witness of the Holy Spirit. Make sure I'm warning you, watch out, 
make sure that the light in you isn't darkness. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So how do we know then? I mean, how do I know if the light in me is light or if the light in me is darkness? How do I know if the things that are radiating from my life are reaching those around me and having a positive impact on their life or a negative impact on their life? Well, there's a couple of things. One, we can observe. We can pay attention to those around us. I can tell you oftentimes I've realized that the light in me was darkness just by listening to my wife or my children. The things that I'm saying, the things that I'm doing are obviously radiating from my life, impacting their lives in a negative way. Outside of the witness of of the love of God and and the presence of the the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost, I can pay attention. But one of the challenges with that is, is my willingness and my ability to distort my own reality. To, to bear witness of myself, to let my testimony outweigh the testimony of those around me who might be crying out saying, hey, you're having a negative impact on me. Well, I might say things like, well, you know, that's just your perception. That's just how you see it. That's just how you feel. I didn't mean to. I could come up with a long list of things that would justify the light that is in me as being light rather than the light that is in me being darkness. You just didn't understand me. So those things can be a bit relative, uh, subject to interpretation. But the scripture gives us some things that we can measure by. And I think those are things that are really worth uh, making a note of. Because when the scripture gives us absolutes that we can measure by, then we can actually accurately evaluate the, the, the product of our lives, what we produce. Is the light that is in us actually light? I want to give you a passage of scripture here. Now this is a lengthy passage of scripture, but I want to read through it and, and we'll get to the point. I just have a real hard time dicing this passage of scripture up because it's so rich in content, especially as it concerns the message uh, that we are partaking in today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Ephesians. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, altogether, we're going to look at about 14 passages of Scripture. I mean, in my world, that's, that's a morning devotional. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's kind of a lot. Uh, but I want to read through it, and, and I'd like to pause a couple of times. But I want to let the, the Word itself have an impact on you. So uh, I'll try to minimize those stops and pauses. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It's a call, a call to you and a call to me. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love just as Jesus Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I want to stop there and I want to identify something. The call is for you to behave like God. The call is for you to be like Jesus. Did you pick that up? I mean, those first words are be an imitator of God. To be an imitator of God means do the things he does. Say the things he says. Does that not sound like Jesus to you who said, I only speak what I hear my father speaking. I only do what I see my father doing. This call is to be just like Jesus, to function just like Jesus in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everything that we read in the Gospels is now being assigned to your life. 
do it just like he did it. Then it goes on to reveal what needs to be absent from our life. But let immorality, impurity, greed, let these things not even be named among you. Uh, it, it is, is, is proper among the saints, as it is proper among the saints for these things not to be named among you. There must be no filthiness, no silly talk, no coarse jest, jesting, excuse me. Uh, these things are, 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 are unbecoming. Those things are not fitting, but rather we should give thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. I mean, those are the things that we want nothing to do with. Now it goes on to, to say this in verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. It's because of, of these things, those are the things that we just read, that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. I want to stop right there and I want to identify that. I want to remind you that we're talking about light. You used to be dark. Now you are light in the Lord Jesus. And, and what we have here that follows is something that needs to be paid attention to. The words go on to reveal this truth to us in this form. You are now light in the Lord, so walk as children of the light. Now, verse 9 is very important. For the fruit of light exists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't uh, participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by light, and everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, the word declares, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Jesus Christ will shine on you. Shine what on you? Shine light on you. And why would he shine light on you? But that your entire life itself would become light. There's a passage there that I want to emphasize, and it's the one that I want to allow to introduce these, these uh, measurements that God has given us to apply to our life. These standards that God has given us to look at our life, our choices, our decisions, our words, to see if these things exist for the purpose of identifying whether the light in us is light or the light in us is darkness. Verse 9, the fruit of light consists in all goodness righteousness, and truth. What I have to ask myself is my life, that which radiates from my life, the things that leave me and impact others, do they produce goodness? Do they produce righteousness? And do they produce truth? If it produces goodness, righteousness, and truth, then the light in me is light. If it does not produce goodness, righteousness, and truth, then I need to evaluate the light in me. Goodness. I want to give you a biblical definition of goodness. So we've used this biblical definition of good before, but I think it's a really powerful scripture because we use the word good a lot. It's a word that has, has a, a very uh, high use in our current vocabulary. I mean, you can describe a lot of things as good. Uh, you can describe... Uh, a meal is good. You can describe how you're feeling as good. I mean, good is a word that we use 
and we use often. The Bible gives us a definition of good, and I want to see what that good actually looks like from a biblical standpoint. And that biblical standpoint is really powerful. You can find it in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 speaks about Jesus and identifies what good looks like. Acts 10, 38, it speaks of Jesus, and it's talking to the, the believer. It says to the believer, now you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how Jesus then went about doing good. Dot, dot, dot. Now here comes this definition of what doing good looks like. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. That's what good is. It's, it's relieving people of oppression. So, you know, I, I tend to do something goofy, and most people probably think that it's, it's out of ignorance, or maybe it's, it's just being a Texan, and, and it's the way we speak here. Uh, some people will correct it. You know, I mean, most of the time, the proper way to ask someone how they're doing is, is to ask, you know, are, are you doing well? You know, and their answer would be, yes, I'm doing well, thank you. Right, very proper. Mm, good day, sir. You know. But I, will, I will, will message people or text people or call people, and oftentimes I will ask, are you doing good? I'm not asking how you're feeling. I'm asking what you're doing. Are you doing good? Are you doing good? Are you, are you helping people around you? Are you breaking down the devil's oppression and releasing the freedom of the, the power of God by the Holy Ghost? Are you doing good? Most people hear that or they see it in the text and they think I'm asking, how you doing, buddy? I'm asking what you're doing. Are you doing good? Because goodness, from a biblical definition, is destroying the works of Satan and liberating those who are oppressed. So one of the results of light being in my life, leaving my life and impacting those around me is going to be freedom from the devil's oppression. It's going to involve the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. Righteousness. Righteousness are the things that are leaving my life, are the things that are leaving my life through my mouth, through my example, through my actions, are the things that are radiating from me and impacting those around me. Are they producing Righteousness. I'll give you a passage of scripture as it concerns righteousness. And I'll give you a couple, actually. Romans 6.20 says that we were formerly or once slaves to sin, but now we're free as it regards righteousness. The righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I mean, do you see the difference between the presence of righteousness and the absence of righteousness? The absence of righteousness equals slavery. The presence of righteousness equals freedom. Galatians 5.1 says that it's for freedom that Jesus Christ set us free. And this is the rest of the scripture. This is not my comment. Therefore, keep standing firm so that you do not become subject again to a yoke of slavery. Take those things that Jesus has brought into your life and hold tight to them. Don't let them go. Let them have an impact on you and transform your heart and your mind and be revealed through new habits, new actions, new attitudes. New vocabulary. Is what I'm producing in my life bringing goodness into those around me? Is it bringing righteousness into those around me? Uh, the, the other thing that light will produce is truth. 
truth is what's radiating from my life is what's leaving me and touching those around me producing truth. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says, The message that we've heard from him, that him has a capital H, so we're talking about the message from Jesus, the message from God, to announce to you is that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Remember, we're talking about light. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we're not practicing the truth. I mean, light is going to have an impact on our lives. It's going to have an effect. It's going to bring transformation. Uh, Jesus made comments as it concerns these things, and, and he said this, John chapter 8, that's the gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, if you continue in my word, his word is truth, he says, you'll truly be disciples of mine, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Is what's leaving my life, are the things that are leaving my life, radiating out from me, impacting those around me, producing goodness, liberating people from oppression, producing righteousness, separating people from bondage and affliction, producing truth, the truth that results in freedom. There's a reason why light is so important. And if we're not producing goodness and righteousness and truth through our words and actions, if the things that are leaving our lives and having an impact on those around us aren't resulting in goodness, righteousness, and truth being multiplied and magnified and made available to those who are in desperate need, then we ought to examine ourselves to make sure that the light inside of us is actually light and that the light inside of us isn't darkness, that we're not motivated by uh, vengeance or anger or bitterness or greed or, or, or any kind of malicious motivation that we truly are being motivated by the things of God and not the carnality of men. Light's important. It's valuable and it's necessary. I want to give you a passage of scripture to identify the importance of light out of the gospel of John chapter 1. In the gospel of John chapter 1, I want to read verses 4 and 5. It speaks about Jesus and it identifies that in Jesus there's life. In him was life and life was the light of men. Now I want you to pay very close attention to verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. The light shines into the darkness and the light is victorious. The light shines into the darkness and the light wins. We've talked about light before, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. The reason why you can see me right now, the reason why you can look around this room and see the banners and see uh, the, your, your neighbor, your, your brethren all around you, the reason why you can look around this room and see all of these wonderful things is because the light is winning right now. It's overcoming darkness. The energy that's being released is moving in a straight line at 186,000 miles per second to illuminate this room, to reflect off of me, to reflect off of you so that we can be seen. That's a whole other message. The idea of vision being the result of light being reflected. 
And this really is the point of, of Christianity. I mentioned before we're going to find out Jesus' purpose and also then our purpose if we're called to be just like him. I'll give you a passage of scripture in closing from 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of the devil. I like to take this passage of Scripture and, and with the understanding and the realization that I'm called to be an imitator of my Father, that I'm called to be just like Jesus, who only spoke what he heard the Father saying, who only did what he saw the Father doing, that I'm called to be just like him. I like to substitute my name in this passage of Scripture. Preston appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. I like to think that when I step onto a job site, Preston's here to destroy the works of the devil. I like to think of that when I walk into my own home. Preston is here to destroy the works of the devil. I like to think of that when I step into any situation or circumstance, I exist and have been injected into this situation or this circumstance to be light, to be a force of energy that moves in a straight line, not deviating from its purpose or intention, to bring goodness, righteousness, and truth into this circumstance and to make no room for the works of the devil to prevail. I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and I want to pray. I want to ask God to do wonderful things in our lives, things done in our hearts and in our minds, to take the power of the Scripture and let it become a reality through who we are and how we function, behave, and relate to one another. It's a wonderful thing to have an identity that has so much purpose and so much power attached and connected to your life. It can be a bit overwhelming when you begin to, to consider those things and, and then uh, examine your life and think, well, how, how can that be me? The wonderful thing is that it's, it's not you. It's Jesus. You're the vessel. He is the, 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 the power, the energy, the movement. Everything I've ever done in my authority, everything I've ever done in my power has been so limited. It, it's so insignificant. There are times where I, I, I can't even remember because it had such little impact. But the things that Jesus does... The words that Jesus speaks, the power that Jesus releases, the, the, the authority in full measure of the kingdom of God being released in your life and through your life. Now, that's a whole other story. So I think it helps for us to realize I'm the vessel for light. Let that light shine through my life. Let my life be identified as, as a place in which the light of Jesus Christ is, is, is illuminated, is released. When, when men and women are around me, let the things that, that leave me, let the words that I speak, let the actions that I perform, let them take Jesus and all of his goodness and all of his righteousness and all of his truth and let them illuminate those around me. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to, to have as an identity. It's a wonderful thing to seek after in a prayer life, to pursue. 
God, let my life be a source of light. As your word declares that I'm a city set on a hill, let my life illuminate the surrounding area. And let it bring you honor and glory. I want to pray for us this morning, and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts and in our minds. I want to become a a people who produce in our words and in our actions goodness, righteousness, and truth, all for the glory of God. And as we see these things multiply and magnify, as we see our lives move as the word puts it from glory to glory, as we, we grow and mature, united together, I can't help but become excited becoming more and more aware of of how God will never be outshined by the past. I think of past revivals, and I think of the things that I see written in the Scripture. And I think, you know, God, in all of your goodness, in all of your glory, in all of your, your power, in all of your authority, I just have a hard time thinking that things end with a whimper. If men put on a fireworks show and it ends with a grand finale, how much more will God end things with a grand finale? And the things that we read of in the scripture are not the, the glory of God that, that we you know, missed out on, born in the wrong time, but now we just think on it and hope on it and, and acknowledge that it happened. But rather those things are revealed as examples for us and all that God is have in store for us is ready to be released through our lives as light into this world, destroying the works of Satan and opening up a way for men to glorify God. I want to pray this morning. There where you stand, we can be in agreement together or simply in an attitude of receiving. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We receive your word as truth. We thank you for the identification of those who would bring light into this world, those who would be light in this world. Let it be as Jesus is in our lives that when men and women hear us speak, when they see us act, let them see Jesus. Let them hear Jesus. Let Jesus be revealed and released through our lives. Let goodness and righteousness and truth leave us through our words and actions and have an impact on those around us. Let it result in liberation and freedom. Let slavery and bondage come to a halt and the works of Satan be torn down. Let your kingdom be expanded and let Jesus be exalted. Let us be light. We rejoice and give thanks that you would play such a wonderful purpose on our lives. Be magnified and honored and glorified as we live out our lives as light in this world. And let it not be sought after to be hoarded, but let it be released that we truly would walk in our calling, a city set on a hill to illuminate the surrounding land. Let it be our lives. Let our prayer life be affected, that we would celebrate light, that we would accept this call. Let our lives be intentional that we would examine ourselves, that we would take Jesus' warning and examine our hearts and our lives and our attitudes and our actions to be sure that the light in us is not darkness, but let the things that were released from our lives bring goodness, righteousness, and truth to those around us. And let the end result be the destruction of the works of the devil, the expansion of your kingdom, the glorification of your name. Let our lives lived out in light be the most powerful evangelistic work since the gospel. We bless your name. We rejoice and thank you for this wonderful call. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.